This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Most UFO or UAP sightings have only a few witnesses. One, or sometimes two people will witness the same strange phenomenon, often when in close proximity to each other. Whether or not there's a terrestrial explanation for these various phenomena is up for debate. But what about when multiple sightings are reported across a fairly large geographical area? What if those eyewitness descriptions match up, coming from people who don't know each other or were on opposite sides of this city? This was the case on a January day in Virginia, Brazil in 1996. But it's not just several people who witnessed the strange occurrences that night. There's even official documentation that something came from the sky over Brazil and crashed into the earth. Subsequent reports of people seeing strange creatures give credence to the fact that locals did indeed witness something that cannot be readily explained. However, Government and military officials presented explanations to the public to convince them that nothing came from outer space that night. For many, these explanations leave something to be desired, and they haven't convinced the people who know what they saw that night, people who were there, people who, to this day, insist that they saw a creature or creatures not of this world. This is the story of one of the biggest and most convincing UFO sightings ever reported, the Virginia UFO Incident. Part one, the creature. Not only was it hideous, but it also smelled bad, according to the three young women who said they saw it. They described it as having three strange lumps or horns on its oversized head, red eyes, and brown, oily skin. It was about four feet tall and lacked a nose and mouth. It was humanoid with rubbery legs and arms. And the smell emanating from it was shockingly bad, pungent and reeking. The three women, Liliani Fatima Silva, Valkyria Fatima Silva, and Katia Andrade Xavier had decided to take a shortcut home from work on the afternoon of Saturday, January 20th, 1996. They headed through a deserted lot choked with weeds. And as they came near a wall bordering the lot, they spotted the creature crouching against the wall, oblivious to their presence. Although shocked, the trio knew that whatever they were looking at wasn't like anything they'd seen before. It wasn't man or animal. It was something else, something different. In fact, the three women didn't automatically think of aliens. Reportedly, the two sisters, Liliani and Valkyria, later told their mother they'd seen the devil. Whatever it was, it seemed a little out of it, almost like it was sick or drugged. 
But when it turned its ghastly gaze toward them, the two younger women ran, leaving Katya behind. Katya later said that she was somewhat transfixed as she made eye contact with the creature. She felt that it was injured and that it needed help. It didn't seem to be a threat. The sisters soon realized that their friend was not with them, and they ran back to grab Katya, knocking her from her trance. When the sisters arrived home and told their mother, the older woman didn't believe them, at least not at first. But when she realized her daughters were genuinely rattled, she went to look for the creature herself, along with Katya. They went to the lot and found it empty except for an odd V-shaped footprint in the dirt. There was also a pungent reek of ammonia. This, combined with the footprint, convinced her that her daughters were telling the truth. And if another subsequent encounter was to be believed, it was a good thing that the three women fled when they did. As one poor soul was about to discover, these creatures carried something dangerous to humans, something deadly. It was approximately 4 p.m. when the three girls came across the creature. Around 5.30, mere blocks away from the first sighting, two young military policemen were driving around. They were on the lookout for anything strange. The military had set up a perimeter near where the three young women had spotted the creature. Marco Eli Cherisi was riding in the passenger seat of the vehicle. A man named Eric Lopez was driving when an odd figure ran across the road in front of them. Acting quickly, Sharisi jumped out of the vehicle and grabbed the creature, pulling it back into the vehicle with him. The thing didn't put up much resistance, and the two men took it to a local clinic for examination. After looking at it, the doctor admitted that he didn't know what it was. He told the two MPs to leave and take the creature with them. They rushed the creature to another hospital. Several hospital staff members and patients remember seeing the creature. Some of them even worked on it, taking x-rays and performing an examination. Eyewitness descriptions of the creature matched the description the three girls gave. Not long after Marco Cherisi captured the strange creature, he fell ill. While the details surrounding his subsequent death are murky at best, they're worth considering here. The doctor who treated him found a cut on his arm. How the cut got there, whether the creature inflicted it on him is unclear. The wound became infected and the doctor prescribed antibiotics. They didn't work, neither did anything else. Marco's body wasn't responding to any treatment. Less than three weeks after coming into contact with the creature, Marco died of unknown causes. He was only 23 years old. His body was buried quickly without proper funeral arrangements and without an autopsy. Later attempts to exhume his corpse were rebuffed for supposed national security reasons. Marco's sister claims that her brother was infected with some kind of disease or toxin as a direct result of his contact with the creature. A medical report was released after his death and it said that Cherise had high levels of an unknown toxin in his blood. Marcos wasn't the last of the unexplained deaths in the area, and the January 20th sightings weren't the first strange occurrences that have since been tied to a UFO crash in the area. The first reports of strange happenings came days before. Purportedly, the military was called in after two farmers, a husband and wife, woke to a loud noise 
and looked out to see a cylindrical object flying close to the ground, trailing smoke. They said that the craft looked as if it would crash, although they didn't actually see it go down. According to the couple, the apparently malfunctioning craft hovered over their livestock field for nearly 40 minutes before leaving the area. Not long after, a lawyer who lived on the outskirts of town said she heard an explosion around two in the morning and looked out to see a massive fire about a kilometer away. She called the local fire station, but there was no answer. Shortly after, she saw military trucks and a helicopter arrive, followed by fire trucks. Someone else had clearly called the fire station before her, but she was amazed at how quickly the military had arrived. It was as if they'd been monitoring the airborne vehicle and were ready to intervene when it landed, or in this case, when it crashed. There are just a few instances of what would come to be known as the Virginia UFO incident. The sightings were reported around the world, effectively putting the city on the map. But these eyewitness reports aren't the only factors giving this incident credence. There's more to this story, much more. Part two. Not the first Brazilian sighting. The Virginia incident started when NORAD satellites tracked an object entering the Earth's atmosphere. Realizing it was heading for Brazil, American authorities alerted the Brazilian government. Soon after, people started spotting strange objects in the sky. They described them as cigar-shaped and trailing lights and smoke. Not long after these sightings started, a loud explosion rocked the outskirts of town. The very same explosion the lawyer heard and attempted to report. Soon after that, military and fire trucks showed up. Three days after the girls came across the foul-smelling being, a third sighting reported a creature lying by the side of the road. Once again, the military was called in. Three trucks arrived to retrieve the creature, which was then taken to parts unknown. Soon, the three young women were at the center of the media storm. In fact, they started charging for interviews, but one thing they never did was change their story. Even to this day, the three women insist they saw a creature not of this world. They also say it has changed their lives, and not necessarily for the better. It's important to mention here that this was certainly not the first UFO sighting in Brazil. All across the large country, sightings of lights and strange objects in the sky have been reported, the earliest going back to 1947, the same year as the Roswell incident. And things haven't calmed in recent years. But the Virginia incident was, and still is, the most compelling. The fact that numerous eyewitnesses reported similar things makes this incident hard to dismiss. Brazilian media quickly picked up on the story in the days following January 20th, and so did other media outlets around the world. The Wall Street Journal even did a short piece on the incident, implying mass hysteria and distrust of the government as the two major factors. But it turned out the sightings weren't done, and the questions were only just beginning. A few weeks after the first sightings, things had calmed down considerably, Plenty of Brazilians were still demanding answers from the government, but the initial excitement of the many sightings had faded to a lull. Then, 
an old woman who worked as a janitor at the Virginia Zoo said she spotted a creature much like the ones reported by the three women on January 20th. She told reporters she'd stepped outside to smoke on the zoo grounds when she saw something she described as very ugly and with big red eyes. She also noted that it had brown skin. She was sure it wasn't an animal, although she didn't know what it was. It was night when it happened, and the woman said that the only reason she'd been able to see the creature was because of the light emanating from its eyes. She rushed back inside and told her husband that they had to leave. When she looked outside again, the creature was gone. Detractors say that she likely saw an animal. After all, she was at the zoo, but she was convinced that it was no animal. Still, it would be easy to dismiss this sighting. It was dark. Perhaps the woman had poor eyesight. Perhaps she'd been caught up in all the hubbub of the recent sightings and had imagined the entire thing. But there was another factor to consider. In the days leading up to this particular sighting, several zoo animals had died mysteriously. There was no apparent cause. Ufologists believe that one of the creatures was still on the loose and had wandered into the zoo. If it had come into contact with any of the animals, it could have poisoned them with an unknown toxin, much like what allegedly happened to Marco Eli Sharisi. Even the zoo's director, who had been there for seven years, said they'd never had anything like that happen before. They could not explain the five animal deaths, even with post-mortem examinations. With the help of the local media, word continued to spread about the Virginia incident, catching the attention of reporters, investigators, and those who study UFO sightings. Savvy politicians and business owners in the area saw an opportunity. They leaned into the incident, working to make Virginia the Roswell of Brazil. And to this day, you can find all kinds of UFO trinkets, knickknacks, and books about the incident. They even went on to erect a saucer-shaped water tower in the town. Like any UFO sighting, there's often heated debate as to what really happened. The search for concrete proof has come up short. Those who were there and saw unexplainable things with their own eyes know what really happened. They say there is no proof because the creatures were taken away by the government, along with the remains of the crashed spacecraft. Some even say they saw Americans around the city in the days immediately after the incident. Many believe that the American and Brazilian governments worked in tandem to cover up the incident. Filmmaker James Fox interviewed a man who claims to have driven a creature's body to an airport where a United States Navy plane was landing. But why cover this up? Why go to such lengths? One often cited motivation is the prevention of lawlessness. If otherworldly creatures can come down from the sky at any moment, then what good is the government? But isn't there another explanation for this? One that doesn't involve interstellar travel. According to the Brazilian government, a series of coincidences combined with mass hysteria and overactive imaginations explain what happened in January 1996. Now that we know what eyewitnesses say happened, let's look at the official explanation and see how it measures up. Part three, the official explanation. 
All the news stories about the UFO sightings had people a little on edge. They wanted answers, and many reporters approached officials from the military. As you can probably guess, these officials flatly denied that there was a UFO crash, whether terrestrial in nature or not. The local military base was a training facility. According to an official from the base, the presence of the military trucks in town on January 20th was part of a routine maintenance cycle. They'd sent two trucks into town to receive some scheduled work. And since Virginia was abuzz with rumors of flying objects and strange creatures, people incorporated the presence of military trucks into the fantasy. The official had a convenient explanation for the creature sightings as well. He posited that the three young women had come across a local mentally disabled man who had become disoriented and coated in mud on his way home. Apparently, this man had an odd appearance that could have caused the three women to mistake him for a strange creature. And the area had experienced heavy rains during the day, creating a muddy landscape. But what about the hospital sightings? This, the man explained, was the result of a local dwarf couple who had been expecting a child. They were visiting the local hospital in preparation for the birth. Those who reportedly saw a brown creature at the hospital were mistaken. They'd seen one or both dwarfs. Still, this explanation doesn't account for the smell that people reported independently of each other. Everyone who purportedly had contact with one of the creatures talked about the stench coming off them. Some described it as ammonia, while others said it was a combination of ammonia and sulfur. But it wasn't a drifting smell of bleach or stale urine. It wasn't easily whisked away by the wind. Witnesses said it was incredibly strong, so strong that it stayed with them, stuck in their noses and throats for days afterward. And if these creatures were injured, sick, or scared, as it seemed they were, the smell could have been a defense mechanism. One UFO researcher posited that the beings wandering around in Virginia weren't the pilots of the crashed ship, they were the cargo. If they had been in some kind of stasis until the crash, it would explain why everyone who saw them described them as weak, injured, or disoriented. In fact, a family who had been living in the area at the time reported seeing an object flying above the part of town where the three girls had seen the creature. According to these witnesses, who wished not to be identified, the vehicle looked as if it were searching for something or someone. Could they have seen a second ship, searching for the creature or creatures in order to recover them? As for the various sightings of UFOs around that time, officials dismiss it as mass hysteria. But what about the crash on the outskirts of town? Firefighters admitted that they had been called out to a fire in the early morning hours, but they insisted that there was nothing strange about it. It was a normal incident, and they didn't encounter any strange creatures. In short, the Brazilian military's official narrative is that people simply got carried away. Stories of objects in the sky had rumors swirling around town. The combination of military vehicles, dwarfs, fire trucks, and a mentally disabled local man created a perfect storm of coincidences. And the rest was thanks to human imagination. What's left is simply conjecture. There is no proof, only eyewitness testimony. Notably, 
In recent years, people have come forward to talk about what they saw in those days. And if you take these recent revelations as truth, the official narrative doesn't hold up. Part four, reluctant witnesses. A man called Carlos de Souza was driving along the highway near Virginia. The highway was nearly empty because it was early, around 5.30 or 6 a.m. He was an ultralight plane pilot, and he was heading up to the state of Minas Gerais to meet some friends for a demonstration. It was January 13th, 1996, a week before the three girls spotted the strange creature in nearby Virginia. As he drove, he noticed an aircraft flying low to the ground. It looked like it was having trouble staying airborne. There was smoke coming out of it. Whatever it was, it was in trouble. He kept an eye on it until it finally went down. Thinking it was an experimental aircraft, he got off the highway and found his way to the crash site. He wanted to help the people aboard. He saw a wide debris field littered with pieces of gray metal. There were many small pieces of debris and one larger section off in the distance. There was also a significant ammonia smell in the area. It got into his nose and throat, making him uncomfortable. <coughs> Trying to ignore the wretched smell, Carlos reached down and picked up a piece of the debris, finding that it was incredibly light, like no material he'd ever seen before. He played with it, crushing it in his hands with ease, only to have it spring back into shape when he let the tension off. Not long after a confused Carlos got to the crash site, military vehicles rolled up from another road across the field. Soldiers jumped out and took over the scene, along with people in protective gear and masks. They quickly created a perimeter. A couple of people spotted him and they ran over. Carlos was still holding the strange metal-like material in his hand. One of the three men that came up to him took it away and told him to leave and to forget what he saw. Rattled, Carlos did as he was told. He got back in his car and returned to the highway. But he didn't drive very far before he stopped to get a cup of coffee and see if he could do anything about the stinging ammonia smell that seemed to be stuck in his nose and throat. <coughs> While stopped, some well-dressed men showed up in a dark vehicle and approached him. They seemed to know all about him, his name, where he lived, where he worked, they warned him to keep his mouth shut about what he'd seen. Carlos was disturbed, but he hadn't been thinking about UFOs. He figured it was some experimental government plane and they wanted to keep it a secret. It wasn't until he started hearing things about the Virginia incident in the news, things about strange creatures wandering around the city, that he started thinking about extraterrestrials. By Carlos's estimation, the crash site was no more than 15 miles from the city of Virginia. He knew in good conscience he couldn't keep quiet. So he granted one on-camera interview in 1996. Then he fell silent for over two decades. But he's recently come back into the spotlight to tell his story as interest renews in UFOs or UAPs. His story hasn't changed and he's one of a few people that have broken their long-standing silence to tell what they saw that January in Brazil. An X-ray technician working in Virginia in January 1996 
also came forward to tell about how military officers brought something in a body bag and told him to perform x-rays on it. They didn't take the thing out of the bag and they warned him not to look at the images. He thought the soldiers were all on edge and they were very serious about not letting him see the images. It was the strangest experience of his career. Another man came forward in early 2022, saying he was part of the military team that was tasked with capturing one of the creatures in Virginia. According to the unnamed source, his platoon was awoken in the early morning hours on a day in January 1996. He's not certain of the day, but he estimates it was a day or two after the sighting started in Virginia. He and his fellow soldiers were loaded into a transport truck that was covered with canvas. According to him, traveling in a canvas-covered truck was rare, but everything else about the mission seemed fairly mundane. It was common for the platoon to go on mountain training operations. They drove for about four hours. Since he was unable to see out of the vehicle, he didn't know where they were when the truck stopped. They were let out and told to start searching the woods. He noted that they were all carrying rifles without ammunition. Whether that was common practice for training missions is unclear. The soldiers gathered in a V formation and started sweeping a ravine. The unnamed man was at one end of the formation when a shout came from the other end. A couple of soldiers came out of the woods carrying something between them and a tarp. One of the men slipped, allowing the tarp to open slightly. This, according to the man, was when he saw the creature. He described it as iron-colored, oily, and emitting a smell like acetone. He also noted the presence of one red eye in the abnormally large head. The video interview was originally uploaded by Brazilian ufologist Edison Boa Ventura Jr. on his Enigmas e Mysterios channel. Although the interviewee's name was never released and his appearance was blurred, the video has since been made private or removed entirely at the request of the interviewee. Several people who claim to have seen creatures or cigar-shaped flying objects that week in Brazil have told reporters of threatening phone calls every couple of years or so, especially those in the military. Is it possible that this man was contacted after his interview and threatened? Is the Brazilian government still trying to cover up what happened in and around Virginia that January? And did they have help from the United States government? Unfortunately, there is no concrete proof one way or the other. Like many UFO sightings or crashes, the lack of verifiable evidence from the Virginia incident is frustrating. Perhaps if Carlos de Souza had been able to get away with a piece of the aircraft, we would have some proof today. But if he had, what lengths would the government have gone in order to silence him? Would there be some seemingly innocuous explanation for the feather-like material littered across the crash site? Could the creatures seen by multiple eyewitnesses in town have been dwarves? Could three girls have seen a mentally disabled man covered in mud and mistaken him for a creature that they called the devil? The Virginia incident is one of the most interesting and compelling UFO sightings ever reported. But whether you believe it was caused by something from outer space or not, likely comes down to your own personal experiences and beliefs. More and more people report seeing fast-moving lights in the sky, 
or unexplainable phenomena on Earth. The big question is, do you believe?